0: I had a really interesting question come up the other day. <clears throat> a woman was talking um, and about herself and said, Well, I just don't like listening to other people and they're telling their stories and their life and what they have to say. What do I care and it was a rather shocking statement to me that really you're not interested in kind of learning other people's stories, people who are on the same path with you, who are doing the same work as you. And I wondered about her family and other people. And I didn't say anything about that. I just wondered. And then she said something like, I guess I just have to tape my mouth shut. Meaning that she liked to talk and tell people stuff, but she didn't like to listen to their stories. <clears throat> Which is a really honest uh, response. And then she said something like, oh, I said to her, Well, not tape your mouth shut, but be able to, or willing to, Listen. And then the question was, well, how do you be your authentic self if it annoys people? In other words, if you're always giving advice and teaching people when they haven't asked to be taught. But that's who you are. You don't like to listen to other people. And you always like to give advice and information. Wow, that's a really good question. Being your authentic self does not mean you get to just be you with no consideration of other people. It doesn't mean, for example, that you like to get drunk and be obnoxious, but you think it's fun that you get to do that. And tough luck for everybody else, because that's who I am. That's kind of the, you deserve it, and you get to be who you wanna be, and screw you, you don't like me, move on. There's a middle ground in here. (laughs) We get to be our authentic self, first of all, if you have not done healing work and you come from a dysfunctional family or you're a war vet or you've been subjected to racism or rape or any other kind of trauma, you're an addict, you have mood issues, you don't even know what your authentic self is, first of all. And even when you're super healthy, a lot of times you don't know what your authentic self is because you're in transition from one thing to another. I know when I was younger, I came off as an extrovert because all I did was run around and help people and save the world. So I was always with groups of people, always being of service, Always taking a leadership position, running workshops since I was 16, 17 years old, actually organizing a demonstration against racism when I was 11, believe it or not. And it wasn't until many years later that I either discovered I'm more of an introvert or I went into an introverted period. I'm not sure which is true. (laughs) I may end up being an extrovert again, we'll see. I like to look at being my authentic self as being connected, connected to me right now in this moment and feeling also then the connection to source, to the energies around me. And with that, Trusting that my response to the person in front of me or the people in front of me or the current situation in front of me will be coming from a deeper, heartfelt, more soulful place than being reactive, triggered, dissociated, or just not caring, perhaps being in a selfish mood. So there's a fine line between being connected, being myself in the moment, and then also taking into consideration other people and not being codependent, people-pleasing, and betraying the self. And I would say my take on this is you never do this perfectly. Every situation you're wobbling, I'm wobbling at least, between responding to another person appropriately, with compassion if I want to, with boundaries if I feel that is more the response. Compassionate boundaries are also good. And then there are times maybe at work with a crappy supervisor or a crappy client, you're in sales or work with the public at all, where you literally have to choose people-pleasing because that's the nature of your job. And how authentic is that? Well, even in that choice, there can be dignity and authenticity. And there can also be an understanding that maybe there can't be dignity and authenticity, and that you have to self-retray a lot. And perhaps it's time for you to get another job. So this whole question of being your authentic self is like having 12 eggs in the air, juggling, balancing all the time, looking at what am I choosing? Is it working? Is it worth it? Am I self-betraying? Do I have to self-betray, like to keep my job? Do I need to move on from my job? Can I live with the self betrayal at the job because I make a lot of money? And how is that going to affect me in the long run? And then there's the question of growth. What if somebody, your encounter with them, is forcing you to grow? Forcing you in the sense that, let's use the word confronting. This same woman, when I brought up something, her typical response is to argue with me and tell me why I'm wrong and how she's right. And yet I'm her teacher. Now my response is, you know, I talk to you about what you don't know. That's what a teacher does. They don't reaffirm what you already know. So why don't you just go home and think about this and if you don't agree with what i'm saying that's fine but don't immediately argue and say it's wrong and you're right and yet you're coming to a class to be taught that's what i mean about a confrontation or perhaps quote forcing you to grow to be more authentic to be less defensive But let's just say what in this case she comes to realize is her authentic self right now is a know-it-all, defensive, wants to talk, give advice, doesn't want to listen to other people's stories, finds them irrelevant, and finds that whole process ridiculous. First of all, I'd say congratulations for being honest with yourself. This is where you're at right now. This is who you are. Instead of running around like all the yoga people who are just rageaholics inside and food addicts and sugar addicts and so many other things, but they talk so sweet and they're yoga people and they're full of light and shining light. I prefer a person like this woman saying, here's where I'm at right now, than the yoga people, where I have to kind of eat the poison candy that they're handing out. So let's say I am this person. I don't like to listen to other people's stuff. I wanna show what I know. I'm bored with your journey. I'm only interested in my gains, the things I'm interested in, what works for me and uh not too interested in anybody else. Well, that's where I am right now. That is authentic. So what do we do with that? We don't get to run over people with our so-called authenticity of where we are right now. But what we can do is give people a heads up, such as... I tend to give a lot of advice. If it drives you crazy, be sure to tell me to cool it. And I will. I often warn people I'm a little bit on the impatient side. And I hate people being late. Or I hate giving instructions and people doing something completely contrary and causing me a lot more work. So I warn them, this is where I'm at doesn't mean I'm like this forever, doesn't mean I'm proud of it, but it is giving the other person permission to protect themselves from me and my current state. For example, someone might say to me, Will I always run late. Is that going to upset you or piss you off? And then we can talk about it. And we may come up with a plan like, text me when you're actually leaving the house, and then I'll leave my house rather than we agree to meet at 1030 somewhere and you're going to be late. Nothing wrong with that. I also, for example, am very blunt and straightforward. That's my culture, plus where I grew up in New York City my ethnic background, my family culture. I warn people about this a lot (laughs) because out here in California and particularly in the New Age crazy toxic positivity industry and also the Christian toxic positivity community, straightforward, honest, and blunt is often offensive to folks. Instead, people uh, prefer either not talking about something or uh, smoothing it over diplomatically. So I give people warning about that. Then if they get mad at me, I can say, I warned you. <laughs> but I don't get to run around and just be blunt on people who are not used to it and take the attitude of, well, deal with it, that's me. That is arrogance. That is unbelievable, self-absorbed point of view or way of living in the world. So being authentic in the world, to me, takes a lot of course correction. In other words, I'm trying to be... A real person to myself, heart open, connected to myself, connected to higher power. And let's say I people, please. I might double back and tell that person, you know, I said yes and I agree to this because I wanted everything to work out with us, but you know what, my choice is really, that really doesn't feel good to me and I want to change my mind. That's one way of being authentic, of working it out. Another way might be, let's say, I overstep bounds with someone. Let's take this woman, she gives advice, etc. And she realizes, wow, I just shut that person down, and all I did was lecture them, and I'm so proud of myself for all the brilliant things I said to them. And I realize, in hindsight, that their eyes glazed over, and... I basically just ran right over them with my energy. I might call that person up and address it. This is what we call in 12 step, I think it's step 10, continue to take personal inventory on a daily basis and make amends when necessary. That to me is the key to being an authentic person. Because sometimes We just don't know who we are in the moment. Sometimes we're working on being a better person, but we're not there yet. Sometimes we get triggered, and we find ourselves acting really horribly or embarrassingly because we were triggered. We didn't know. So cleaning it up, to me, is not only... The best way for other people but especially for ourselves that what it says is I basically love me love my path love my self-healing love my self-care and when I go off course and act in a way that does not make me proud and happy of my with myself I'm going to do a course correction now, you can't always do this. If it's a boss, if it's a client, uh, sometimes uh, somebody, if you're working with the public, they'll report you. And there's no way you can go back to them and do any kind of course correction. They already got you in trouble, and you can't have any further contact with them, etc. Or maybe your boss is crazy or your co is crazy, and you know you can't do this. So in an ideal world and with the appropriate people, we can do this kind of course correction all the time. And after a while, by doing this, we start to find out more of who we are, like what we actually enjoy doing, the kinds of conversations and levels of honesty we are and are not comfortable with. And we can get better then at choosing our friendships, our associations with other people, our close friendships. We get better at navigating our intimate relationships such as family and uh, siblings and sometimes even very close friends can be considered intimate. doesn't always mean sex, intimacy, though that's how it's usually interpreted. One of the biggest stumbling blocks. To this journey and this exercise of course correction is people hate themselves already they have low self-esteem and they're incredibly embarrassed about who they are they feel that everything they're doing is wrong already and this can cause a couple of issues one is you can over apologize you can take credit for everything that's wrong when perhaps you did nothing wrong. You're just not happy with your response. If somebody, for example, is being selfish or taking too much from you, and then you set a boundary with a hammer, and it doesn't feel right, but here's the deal. Maybe that's what was needed. You don't know if a softer boundary would have worked or not. But if you're filled with constant self-criticism and self-hatred and self-loathing and coming from the position of it's all my fault and I'm sure I did something wrong and that's why they acted so crappy, you will take on too much responsibility for your encounters. It's something I used to do, probably still do it here and there. Because I was always geared towards self-healing, so I always looked at my half of what was going on without any consideration of looking to protect myself or have self-care. I was always looking to take responsibility for my half. But the part I left out was the self-care and make sure I didn't do self-betrayal and Also looking at, do I want to be around this person anymore after this kind of encounter? Do I want to work it out with them or do I want to say that's enough red flags and it's time for me to walk and move on? So doing daily inventory and amends in order to continue to be an authentic person, authentic to you, your path, your priorities, your choices your self-care, making sure you're not self-betraying in order to make things work or make things right for someone else at the expense of you. This, like everything else in healing, is an art form to me, and it's something that I would call always a work in progress. It's a very big red flag to me when somebody presents as, like, well, this is how I am, and you know, take it or leave it. Wow. Okay. Um, That usually is someone with a lot of unresolved issues fear of rejection, fear of abandonment. So it's kind of like uh, a defensive posture. Like, before you leave me, I'm going to make it clear that. I don't care, and if you don't like me doing whatever the hell I want to do, whenever I want to do it, screw you, I'm out of here. And with a position like that, there's absolutely no room to negotiate that relationship or build a relationship or move it to a different place. That is a person who is deeply wounded and is overcompensating to protect that wound. Overcompensating, meaning I don't care what you do to me. Uh, This is the way I am. Screw you. Now, if you're the therapist, yes, you can work on it. But if you're their friend, their lover, family member, etc., you're not going to be able to touch that wound with a 10-foot pole for a long time. It's, It's going to be up to that person to open that door again. On the other side of that, sometimes you find yourself hanging around people who are people-pleasers, suck-ups, kowtowing. Um, I call it also managing me, the people around me. They're always handling me. They're always managing me because they really want a relationship with me for power, prestige, or some other goal, reason. Um, You see this a lot in Marriages or couples, especially if one controls the money, the other person typically manages the one with the money because they can't afford to be out of the money. This isn't always true. I'm talking about unhealthy alliances here. So if you're working on being an authentic person and being comfortable in your body and your skin, in your path, in protecting yourself from self-betrayal, protecting yourself from other wounded people by holding boundaries, and now you run into one of these people-pleasers. And they're a little challenging because who doesn't want someone sucking up to you and telling you how great you are or giving you everything you want and doing whatever you want whenever you want to do it, etc. It's a hard one to catch, harder to resist. Eventually, that person is going to wake up. And when they do, you are going to be the enemy. Because they created a sense of value of who they are by becoming valuable to you. When they start to wake up and realize they need to become valuable to themselves, there will be a transition period where you become, in a sense, the enemy. You're the one who stole my attention and you allowed me to do this. And, you know, I gave all of this to you and you gave me nothing back. And I didn't get what I thought I'd get out of the relationship. It's really ugly. It's really ugly. And sometimes you can survive that, come, make a comeback from it. Sometimes you can't. So we have a responsibility as authentic people that if someone's an overgiver and a people-pleaser, you don't let them do it. If people say, oh, I want to give you this and bring you flowers and, and take you here and do this, and we can say to that, no, thank you. I like being with you, and I'm not comfortable taking this from you. And you don't have to get into a big psychological analysis with them. If you're very close to them, maybe you can, maybe you want to, maybe you should. That's on a case-by-case basis, as is all of this material. But sometimes, um, well, I can tell you I value the people in my life Who do not allow me to overgive. Because I am not that great in that area. Much better than I used to be. But I'll probably have this issue the rest of my life. People who say, I'd like to do this on my own. I appreciate the offer. I love spending time with you. But you don't have to do this and I don't want you to do it. Doesn't feel good. That takes a lot Of integrity to come from that position and think of the love there it's like I love you so much you can self betray all you want but not with me (laughs) it's fantastic but it's a really hard one because wounded people want to be adored and worshiped and given to They want to feel valued, so what better way to feel valued than to have some kowtowing, people-pleaser, over-giver hang around you and take care of you or bestow gifts of time and attention on you. To me, becoming an authentic person means that my relationship with myself gets so strong that I can go pretty much anywhere and be around any kind of person and be okay when I was younger being super sensitive energetically sensitive um, having a very high bar on integrity and morals like I don't like people who, you know, are proudly saying, well, I got disability from the Navy when I was 20. Someone told me how to do it. Now they're 50. and I'm a light worker, meaning I'm living on disability and doing whatever I want in the new age industry that makes me feel good. <laughs> right? I, that stuff annoys me, and I won't hang out with people like that. I, I don't appreciate those standards. And I'm not saying I'm right. I am saying I'm righteous, and that can be extraordinarily annoying. So when I was younger, I had to isolate a lot. Because everything shook me up. Aggressive people, um, people pleasers, extroverts people, uh, what we could call being incongruent, something we work on in the horse workshop. Horses in your heart, if you are lying to yourself about your feelings, horses will not have anything to do with you, because your energy feels predatory. For horses that are prey animals, it's like if you're lying about your feelings, that's like a lion hanging around saying, no, I'm not hungry, it doesn't work for them. So. All right, Willow. Good girl, Pia. Come on. You know, I responded very badly. I don't know if I felt like prey or not, but when, from a young age, when people are lying, I always know when they're lying. I don't always know what they're lying about, but I know they're lying. It makes me extremely uncomfortable. And so I hid and isolated and... Uh, very carefully vetted every social situation I was going to, made sure I had a way to get away, always took my own car, always, as I got healthier, would warn people that I might leave quickly for no reason, like leave parties or social gatherings, and please don't get mad at me, that was a step forward for me, (laughs) I used to just leave prior to that, and people would be very offended and upset and take it personally i didn't mean it that way but i couldn't even talk about it in the early years but as i got stronger trusting my own inner champion to defend me and protect me because of my work with my inner child and reparenting self-care boundaries i felt Like I was always going somewhere with a best friend, holding my hand, watching out, got my back. And my trust in spirit got stronger and stronger as my relationship with myself got stronger. So I also trusted that protective energies would come in. I would leave at the right moment. I would dodge the right people. I would talk to the right people. And if things did go sideways, my trust level had developed and has developed to the point that the sideways part was a lesson and it was learning. It wasn't a commentary on me being a screw-up or making a bad decision or not being authentic or betraying myself. It was, oh, okay, this needed to happen and it's brilliant it's a brilliant lesson, not fun necessarily, not comfortable but really amazing new information. So that to me is really the heart of being the authentic self, is a kind of ease in life, not always worrying who's going to be there, what's it going to be like, can I escape, will I be safe? But an ease of, I have enough inner resources and enough spiritual connection That if I'm hanging around people and they get drunk, I'll be able to handle that and find a way to leave, be safe, and not not self-betray. In fact, I trust that that situation probably won't even happen unless there's a lesson in it for me. Because my inner radar, my self-care energy is so high now. And my connection to Source is so solid as well that I probably won't even end up in a situation like that. And if I do, there's going to be a lesson there. There's a reason. It's not because I screwed up. It's not because I did something wrong and I didn't pay attention. So that, to me, is being your authentic self. Not saying, well, I like to talk loud, and I, like, I think I have great advice, and I like to give it. No, that's just being... Pig-headed, arrogant, (laughs) self-absorbed. Authentic is moment by moment. I'm comfortable. I'm adjusting. I'm in the ocean, adjusting to the waves, the current, whether there's a school of sharks going by or a school of fish going by, whether there's a sea, forest of kelp that I need to be careful of, or the ocean is calm and glassy and I can float. I can be adaptive, I can change my boundaries, my self-care, on a dime. I'm flexible, I'm receptive and responsive. And what happens then is my authentic self becomes much more fluid. I'm no longer, I'm an introvert. I'm an introvert a lot of the times, and then I'm not. (laughs) I'm strong. Well, sometimes I'm strong and sometimes I'm a weenie. So the authentic self to me becomes less about who I am and how I present and more about feeling like I'm always holding hands with my inner self and I'm always being held in the arms of spirit. And I'm a dolphin, living in an ocean of energy. And dolphins can be really aggressive and really playful. And they can be in pods. And they can be hunting. And they can be alone and playing. And they're still dolphins. But we don't tie them down to just one or two traits. Getting to this place took a while. And... I want to say, it was almost like, and is like, a long-term marriage, or relationship. Meaning, it kept growing, and keeps growing, and changing, and deepening, and getting better, and getting more interesting, and getting strange, and then getting normal, and being safe, and being scary. In other words, it's a journey. It's not an arrival. I'm my authentic self. Yep, I am right this minute. (laughs) The Taoist path considers water to be a sacred element because water can be gas, ice, steam, a gentle stream, a powerful tsunami, a roaring waterfall, a trickle, that's how we want to be, and it's all still water, it's all still H2O, that's being our authentic self, but in the beginning, without having a relationship with the self, how can you do self-care, how can you keep boundaries, How can you be responsive to the situation and the people around you when you haven't first made love with yourself, made breakfast and eaten with yourself, grieved with yourself? You don't like to listen to other people. What's the point of hearing their stories? You like to listen to your stories? How much time do you spend doing that? And are they stories? Or are they true feelings because when we're younger we are imprinted by our family we are given stories about our life our family and most of all about ourselves unless you were raised in a very healthy family that encouraged you to find yourself you were acculturated to put it nicely to put it bluntly you were brainwashed and you're listening to your stories all the time, and that's different than discovering your story, discovering who you are. At Life Path Healings, the way we meditate is to constantly bring the focus back to the breathing so that we can be in our bodies and able to receive the higher energies. After Years of practice. What this means is that in our daily life, we can learn to be with ourselves. We're distracted by dogs, traffic, jobs, clients, stomach ache, diarrhea, you name it. And we still learned to find ways to be connected and be with ourselves. So we strengthen our ability to focus, not to go into denial, not to blot it out, not to muscle through it, but to be incredibly open and responsive, like feeling the currents of the ocean change and responding to our environment without abandoning the self without reacting from fear or being triggered but instead coming from a place of we've got this the we is myself my inner child my inner parent my higher self and source start to be friends with yourself start to find out who you are Take inventory every day. How did this go? Do I like my choices? Would I have liked to have done something better? Is there something I need to clean up? In the beginning, if you're really rough on yourself, this is not a good place to start with inventory. Because what you'll do is self-criticize, try to self-correct. Then you'll try to present better to the public, and to yourself, and you will become more of a control freak than ever. So in the beginning, you're going to have to just find out your secrets, what you're hiding, what you're lying to yourself about, what your dreams are, why you have those dreams, why those dreams aren't in your life right now. You cannot find out who you are in isolation. That is a different person than you in the world. You in isolation is a much easier thing to handle than you in the world. So I always encourage people to get involved with groups in order to learn about themselves, in order to learn how to hold focus with themselves and their path and their connection while being around other people there's so many groups that you could work with 12-step church women's groups drumming group meditation groups there's a lot of stuff out there there's no reason to not find a place even going to toastmasters club That's a group, and you learn to speak, and you learn about how judgmental you are, how shy you are, how controlling you are, etc. In both your practice of speaking and being a participant, listening to other people speak, you would learn so much about yourself. Family is not a good group to do that with, because all your old patterns and habits kick in really fast, and it's hard to learn when you're getting triggered all the time. So as you work towards this, try not to go off the deep end with your arrogance of, well, this is the way I am. Take it or leave it. Rough place to be in and try not to go off the other deep end of, oh my God, everything I do is wrong. I have to change my behavior. I have to tape my mouth shut. I have to behave other ways so people don't complain. In the middle of those extremes, there's a lot of learning. And most of all, a lot of love. A lot of love for you, who you are, in all your complexities, all your intricacies. I hope this helps. Hope to see you at Life Path Hearings.